Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. I think if you're a scrapbooker, you should start thinking about it before you embark on your trip. And I always say, I'm scrapbooking my memories, not just my photographs. So sometimes I put my camera down and I just, I feel, I smell, I listen. And if I can, I'll take a picture of something that will evoke a a smell or, or a feeling. And I'll remember to journal about that. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 231. In this episode, I'm joined by Naomi Goldstein to explore the details of scrapbooking travel beyond the tourist hotspots. Our conversation includes advice on choosing products for unique destinations and how to capture the history of a place. Hey, Naomi, welcome to Scrapbook Your Way. Thank you for inviting me. I am looking forward to our conversation today. Can you start by sharing a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Naomi Goldstein. I live currently in Toronto with my two-and-a-half-year-old dog, I have been retired for five years, and before that, I worked uh, for the Canadian government as a lawyer for 33 years. I have a 29-year-old son, and I tend to spend my time walking my dog, doing cross-stitch, a lot of traveling, Uh, love to cook, and of course, I do a lot of scrapbooking. Mm, Sounds fun. So I would love to hear what is exciting you right now. And this year we're asking our guests to share both a non-scrapbooking thing as well as something inside of our hobbies. Well, as a traveler, the thing I'm most excited about is that the travel world has mostly reopened after the pandemic. Um, I was lucky enough to go back to Japan in January um, after that country had been closed for a couple of years. So that's what's exciting me in the non-scrapbooking world. In the scrapbooking world, I'm really enjoying using some of the newer foreign paper collections. Um, If I can name the names. Yeah, go ahead. From Poland, I think everyone knows about Mintade, but Craft O'Clock is a fabulous company. I've used quite a few of their collections. 13 Cuts is also, excuse me, 13 Arts is also a Polish company. And from New Zealand, my new favorite is something called Three Quarter Designs. Um, oh, fun. We'll have to link to all those. And did you discover these when you were traveling or just in internet searching from home? 
Mostly at craft shows in Canada and a couple of craft shows in the United States. Okay, okay. So, Nami, is there a story on your bucket list that you feel like still needs to be told? So this is, tends to be a really significant story that for one reason or another you haven't documented yet. I've been listening to this podcast for about two years, and I started thinking about my answer to that question the first time I heard it. And every time I think of the answer, I go back to this one photo I have of me as a teenager. And I had some health problems as a teenager, and this particular photograph encapsulates all of those health problems. It was a bit of a painful uh, time in my life. And I have scrapbooked all of my children's albums and all my teenage albums. And for two years, I could not scrapbook this photo. And I wasn't sure why. And then I started looking at it and thinking, what is the, why can't I scrapbook it? And it got me thinking, mm-hmm. why exactly am I scrapbooking? Um, and I realized, it's, it, for me, it's not to leave a legacy. I don't want to tell a whole story. I, I don't feel a need to articulate bad memories. Rather, I like to scrapbook because I, I really enjoy the creative process. And I love looking back at my albums and all the layouts and evoking good memories. And I realized that scrapbooking this particular photograph would would not accomplish either of those two objectives. So after two years, I finally said, I don't have to scrapbook this, this picture. And I put it in the back of my album, and I checked off, album done. And I've never had any regrets about not scrapbooking that particular photograph or telling that particular story. Thank you for sharing this, because I think that's a perspective that I don't often hear um, in, in my conversations with our guests. And it's really important to really connect back to your meaning um, in this hobby. And sometimes that guides us one direction and sometimes that guides us into another. So I think that's, yeah, it's important with every decision that you make. Yes. So I'm excited to chat with you today about your travel experiences. Um, I want to start with like a little quick fire just so we can get a lay of the land of, of some of the places you've been. So which is, what is your favorite place? That's the most difficult question to answer because I, I say <laughs> I love every place that I've been to. Um, Antarctica, Timbuktu, the Galapagos Islands. African safaris, and I keep returning to London, England. So those are just a couple of my favorite places. What about your least favorite place? <sighs> I really don't have one. If, if I look back at the places I didn't like, it's because I tended to have negative interactions with people. Um mm-hmm. I, I, I was in Laos in 2006 and unfortunately kept meeting up with people who I considered dishonest and um, just trying to get as much money from me as possible. And I would have said I, I really didn't like Laos, but I returned there this year and had wonderful experience. And so that country is no longer on my most hated list. I, I really enjoyed it there. 
So you kind of have like a never say never perspective. And even if, you know, it's a place in the moment where you feel like you'd never go back to, you probably would still give it a second chance. Absolutely. So what's been the most unusual or surprising experience you've had? And maybe you've had more than one of them. I've had a lot of interesting and unusual experiences, but uh, the one that people seem to find most interesting is when I visited Chernobyl in in, uh, the Ukraine in 2019. Uh, Chernobyl is the site of the world's worst nuclear accident, and Mm -hmm. one of the big attractions there is to see the old nuclear reactor. So I found the science behind what happened in the explosion interesting. But also right beside Chernobyl is a city called Pripyat, which used to house about 50,000 people, all of those who were working at the reactor. And it was considered to be a model Soviet city at the time. Um, But it had to be abandoned on about three hours notice. And so we return there now, and I think it's been abandoned for 45 years. But it's like a a snapshot in time of what the ideal Soviet life would look like in, in, I think, 1979. Uh, Books are strewn all over the place. There are newspapers. You go into the schools, and there's a merry-go-round and a a swimming pool. It's just fascinating. And the other really interesting thing about Chernobyl is because people weren't allowed uh, in the area for 40 years, uh, animal life and fauna have taken over and completely befuddled scientists who thought this was going to be a nuclear um, wasteland. And in fact, the animals and the, the wildlife have been thriving there and adapting. And so to learn about all of that, I found fascinating. Oh, for sure. I know there have been a number of articles about various aspects of that um, since the war in Ukraine as well. And so just sharing some of the history and photos. Um, So I'll try to link one of those in the show notes for this episode so others can take a peek as well. Yeah, and it's obviously quite sad that you can't visit there since uh, the Russian invasion. So I, I feel very lucky that I was there when when I could go. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure. So what's the place you're most excited to go next? Well, in October, I had booked a trip to Somalia and to Sudan. And I was very excited to see both of those countries, especially Sudan, which has more pyramids than Egypt. Uh, sadly, uh, a war in both countries has intervened. So I had to cancel that trip. Um, but my consolation prize is, is a month in Italy and Malta. So I'm looking forward to visiting those countries. Mm, yes, for sure. Now, are you typically traveling alone with a tour group, with family? Um, I'm, I just have a lot of curiosity because I've only done kind of the uh, typical touristy things, if you say, in terms of traveling outside of the U.S.? I, I've done it all. Um, Mm-hmm. I think about 15 years ago, I took my then 13-year-old son and we traveled the world for a year. Uh, I traveled after I retired mostly solo for two years. But then if I feel I, I want to be with people or if I'm going to an area of the world that uh, makes 
traveling difficult, then I'll, I'll go with a tour company. Mm, so, so interesting to think about kind of some of the considerations there and also to show that you can do it any way that you want for sure. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, for someone who maybe is so on the go throughout the year, it's like interesting to also think about you as a scrapbooker. And before we got started, I saw some of your supplies in the background. So you definitely have a stash as well. Um, can you share more broadly about your approach to documenting your travels? Um, well, I, I am retired and I spend most of my time when, I, when I'm not traveling, scrapbooking. I'll, I, if I'm lucky, I can do two or three hours every day and get through 30 or 40 layouts. And when I'm traveling now, I, I do think that I am going to scrapbook my photos mm-hmm. um, and I actually am I'm pretty good about doing most of the journaling and identifying the layouts as I'm traveling. So I don't have this big project when I get back of trying to figure out what to scrapbook and remembering this or that. When I do my scrapbooking now, and it has evolved a bit, I tend to uh, do it by country. And I have a, a separate scrapbook for each country. And I always start with a title page, uh, obviously with the country and the date. And if I've just been there once or twice, I pick up the reason why I went to that particular country. And then I always like to have just one single photograph on my front cover that tries to encapsulate a particular memory from that country. So when I was in Bulgaria, I didn't know it's the rose capital of the world. So my cover page of Bulgaria has a picture of a beautiful rose from there. And then throughout the scrapbook, I I do both single and double pages and have titles, a lot of journaling, and photographs, good and bad photos, and Mm -hmm. then an end page where I put things in that uh, didn't fit on a page. I try to adhere some brochures or cuttings from brochures and my tickets on the appropriate scrapbook page. And my scrapbooks tend to be chronological uh, from the time I arrived until the time I departed. And I think the last thing I try and do is instead of saying, you know, on day one, I did this, on day two, I did this. I always have some pages that say, here are some of my favorite meals, or this was the worst experience I had in that country, or here was my favorite thing. Here are the hotels I stayed at. So it's not just, a, as I said, a day one, we did this, day two, we did that. So what's your process for kind of outlining what you're going to scrapbook, both when you are on the trip as well as when you get home? Well, before I go to most places now, I do a, a, a wish list or a to-do list of experience I'm hoping to have and uh, places that I want to see. And I go with that list, and um, I I follow it. Obviously, I add and I subtract from it, but I take quite a few photographs. And I as I I pick up brochures when I can. I keep the tickets, and I try every single night, or sometimes when I'm waiting, I'm on buses, sitting on planes. I will go through and identify the photographs that I want printed and I put them on a two print folder on my phone. 
I identify the potential layouts and I keep a list of those with, along with my to-do list. And then, as I mentioned, I do try and journal as I'm going. So at the end of my trip, on a good trip, I'll arrive home and all I have to do is send my two-print file to the uh, developer and I print out all my journaling and everything is there ready to be scrapbooked. Oh, that's really cool. So you're basically kind of doing hybrid journaling. You printing it as, you know, blocks or something like that, or using the Project Life app. Um, What does that look like in terms of your printed journaling? I'm not very good on computers, so it's pretty um, basic. I I print everything in two columns on Word. Okay. And then I I cut the column and I... um, uh, cut the appropriate journaling block and that's that's it. I love it. I love it. It's I think there's a um oh maybe it's a myth about hybrid scrapbooking or using your computer or your de- whatever device to to supplement your scrapbooking and include even more words on your page or to document more on the go and it, it doesn't have to be complicated. So there's lots of options today for sure. Yes. Do you, um, I'm curious. So for any like memorabilia that doesn't fit in the album, do you still keep it? Do you discard things, photograph them? It it depends how big they are. Um, at -hmm. the end of every scrapbook I have, I call it a pocket page. It's just a place to put memorabilia that doesn't fit on a page. Um, Mm -hmm. But if it's too bulky or if it's repetitive, then I do tend to throw them out. And that, yeah, I think that's a fair strategy. And I think some of us tend to do that if we feel like we've done the project and we've captured what we needed to capture. We don't have to save everything. Um, Sometimes that's an important reminder to, to hear as well. So the further that you adventure beyond the most popular tourist destinations, the more likely there's not going to be specific supplies related to the place. Um, we could probably also complain about how too many travel collections have Eiffel Towers, even if, you know, you're not, you're not going to Paris. Um, how do you approach scrapbooking about, um, and these are some of your examples that you shared with me, a visit to an Ethiopian church or a Tibetan palace or places where it's unlikely that you're going to find supplies that really fit that? Oh, well, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, some t- there, there generally are not a lot of supplies. So I have a, a number of different strategies. Um, mm-hmm. Some things are easily adaptable from existing uh, collections. For example, beaches are great for coastlines. Uh, all the winter collections I can use for Antarctica. In other situations, I have to play on some words. For example, I was at a place in Lithuania called Witches Hill, which had nothing to do with witches and no witches there. But Mm -hmm. nonetheless, I I dug into an old Halloween collection and found some witches. For things like architecture, which I like to look at, there's good collections of houses. And for castles, I I go to lots of them and um, some some collections, they all look like Sleeping Beauty castles. But at other times, I can go on to the Silhouette Design Store, and they have mm-hmm. a reasonably good collection of castles that I'll print out. But I, I generally assume I'm not going to find a ready-made embellishment. So 
as I mentioned, I tend to use tickets a lot and I'm, I'm you know, very sad that now we get those e-tickets and I don't get a hard copy ticket because in some countries, and China comes to mind, they have the most beautifully colored uh, tickets, but I suspect that those will disappear. I, I do keep brochures and sometimes I will cut out a picture or some information from uh, the brochures or I'll use a map as a background. And I have been known to download pictures from the internet, if need be. Yeah. Yeah. And then I do an awful lot of pages where there are no embellishments. I can't figure anything out. And so in those situations, I, I, my creativity comes with doing the backgrounds and, and I'll use um, a lot of, I call it non-themed pattern paper. And maybe I'll, I'll I'll use six different non-pattern pieces of paper to make, a background to make it interesting. Um, So I think for the Tibetan palace, the Patala palace, I used, I I think it was either four or six uh, pattern papers, all from the same collection, all in a brown and white, but with different uh, uh, designs on each one. And then I cut out tons of circles and made a a mat around the main frame of circles. Um, So I, I find using shapes, hexagon circles, rectangles to give some interest and then non-themed embellishments like tags or or ribbons to give it some interest. Mm-hmm. And I'm currently enjoying using some of the the mixed media background with again with their non-thematic embellishments like doilies or tabs, bows to create interesting um, backgrounds. But on all of them, I have my title, I have my journaling, uh, and then the photos. But the embellishments and embellishment clusters are, are very difficult. I remember I did one, I was taking a class and I, I did a, a layout from a sketch of hippopotamuses. And mm-hmm. it, it, I, the pattern paper in the background is wonderful, but this, the sketch called for two embellishment clusters in either corner. So I, I couldn't think of anything. So I used flowers and it's a beautiful layout, great colors, well-balanced, etc. But every time I look at the layout, I go, what on earth do flowers have to do with hippopotamus? And <laughs> I've yet to figure out that answer, but I've learned from it that if I can't, you know, I don't need to embellish just for the sake of embellishing. And if something yeah. needs an embellishment, use a shape. Well, I think there are, there are both so many non-thematic supplies these days. You mentioned, you know, the silhouette store, like all the different online options to be able to get something, to make something yourself, to print it out yourself, or even try to make it three-dimensional. Um, and then just so many, such a variety of collections as well with, with patterns that you can use. I'm curious if there's any kind of manufacturers that you gravitate to, towards more often than others. Well, as I indicated, I really do enjoy the forty nine or sorry, the, the mixed media background. So I find forty nine and market with their yes. newer mixed media backgrounds and some some of their embellishments I would classify as non thematic. Um so I, I'm going towards them a lot. Um and, and there are some collections which are good for um 
particular countries. Uh, Chow Bella, is that the name of it? Does a beautiful Sonora one for Mexican landscapes. And there's a couple of collections uh, from, I think, Graphic 49, which does safaris. Mm, and cool. an, an old bow bunny for Asian, for Japanese themes. So if I can find one of those collections, and I know I've got a country that it's appropriate to, I, I grab it. Yes, I bet. I bet. But uh, I still haven't found anything for Ethiopia. So I'll keep looking. I'm curious how you organize your supplies in terms of if you know they're destined for a particular place, how are, are they, are they stored in any reference to that place? Um, or are they stored, you know, just by color or pattern or manufacturer? I, I, t- I store where I have. And it's okay if you don't things. have a perfect solution either. So. no, You know what? It's a good question because I actually did come up with a solution. I used to store everything I'd have by manufacturer, by theme. So I know Antarctica, I'd go to the winter. When I went to Cuba, I went to my paradise beach theme. But I always used to think, oh, I'll remember this. I'll remember that. And of course, a year later, I never did. So I got one of those plastic paper holders. And anytime that I think I've got either a paper, an embellishment or memorabilia that's specific to either a place or a layout. I put it in there and then I have a running list on the outside. So it's Italy or Vietnam or Antarctica. So now before I start any project, I go and I look at that list. And if that country is on there, I know to rifle through that plastic box to see what I put in there for that particular country. Perfect. Yeah, because we always think we're going to remember because it stands out so vividly in our minds in the moment, but then uh, we don't. So I get that for sure. Very guilty of that. So, I mean, as you mentioned, with Chernobyl, travel can involve more difficult places that have more somber memories. Maybe there are fewer photographs because they're maybe restricted or just uh, you may feel this sense of respect that's needed um, in visiting those places. How do you handle documenting those kinds of places? Um, first of all, I, I do go to those difficult places. I mean, I want to get a sense of a country. And if it's had a, a difficult past, I, I want to mm-hmm. see it if it's appropriate. So I've been to uh, the killing fields in Cambodia and the genocide memorial in Rwanda. Um, and I do think it's important as a traveler for me to go and learn and to pay my respects to those that were killed there. Um, I respect any photographic restrictions, but um, I find that there are not that many in, in uh, those places. They want people mm-hmm. to remember. Yeah. Um, but I, I do have my own, and these are just my rules. Um, I rarely take a picture of me at any of those uh, types of places. And uh, I try to get photographs that do not have people in them. Uh, I that makes also, sense. yeah. Um, I also, if I can, I'll take the, the big picture. It shows the entire monument, but I will try and get a picture, if, if it is possible, of a little detail there. So often at memorials, they'll have uh, wreaths uh, at the ground. 
So mm-hmm. I'll try and take a picture of that, knowing that I'm going to use that something of an embellishment later on on a scrapbook. Um, and then when I go to scrapbook them, um, I don't tend to use any embellishments except, as I suggested, um, the uh, a little photograph of it. I tend to use just a single large photo with a big title and a lot of journaling. Um, and while that may sound a little boring, I try and get creative in my backgrounds, which generally are very dark. I want them to be somber. Mm-hmm. And so I was recently, uh, I just finished uh, three pages of a visit that I did to Auschwitz in Poland, which is a, a concentration camp run by the Nazis during World War II, where millions of uh, Jews, Poles, Roma, disabled uh, homosexuals were, were gassed to death. It's a horrible place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I have some pictures. I wanted to scrapbook them. So I thought, well, if I'm, uh, you know, I, I want this also to be a creative process. So I thought my creativity has to focus on the background. So of the three layouts I did, one, I decided I'm going to try a mixed media background. And I'm only going to use black and gray. And I so I used black and gray acrylic, you know, with the splatters and the packaging. And then I stamped rather abstract uh, stamps in blacks and dark browns. And it's an appropriate background. And it, it's also, I'm still learning mixed media. So it gave me an opportunity to experiment with mixed media. And I think it took me three pages before I liked it. Um, so Sometimes that was that one. Sure. Yeah. yeah, but it was it was fun and part of the process. Um, but when the, the page was finished, it was respectful of, of the place in the moment. And then another page that I did again of Auschwitz, I took half a dozen black and gray uh, scraps of paper and cut them all into one inch long strips and paper pieced uh, a beautiful design on the background. Uh, So again, it's a dark background, but it's still got enough interest. And the third page that I did, I just challenged myself to pick eight scraps of black or gray with design paper and use those only as the background. And some were distressed and some were ripped. Um, and some I did border, uh, I used border stamps, but um, it created a, an interesting background, but it w- it still reflected the dark mood of the place. So that's how I tend to approach places like that. And could you talk a little bit about your journaling when it comes to places like that? Do you uh, talk mostly about the facts of your visit? Do you include history? Do you talk about your feelings? I'm just kind of curious how that unfolds for you. It's it's very personal, obviously, in terms of how everyone handles it, but... No, definitely. But ideally, I'd like to talk about all three, especially if if I don't know the history and I learn about the history. But certainly to me, the most important aspect is to talk about how I remember feeling at that place. And Mm -hmm. if if I can ever think of something positive, 
I try and include that. So um, one of my memories at Auschwitz was that there were a lot of groups of school kids being brought through with the idea that they should learn about their past and so they wouldn't repeat it. And and so that was a positive memory that I thought important for me to journal. I like that perspective. Um, I can tell that you just, you, you are very thoughtful when it comes to how you're approaching the, the travel itself as well as the memory keeping afterwards. So I, we mentioned this earlier a little bit, but I'm curious how you feel about the current market for travel-related scrapbook supplies. What would you like to see more of? What would you like to see less of? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of non-thematic supplies in general, and I'm glad that we see more and more of those. But then also, sometimes you want something that's a little bit more specific. Yeah, I, you know, I'm so jealous of the people you know, documenting a Disneyland trip or, or my first plane ride, because I I do feel that there is a lack of certain supplies, but I recognize, I mean, there's not going to be much of a market for Ethiopian churches or uh, who visited Timbuktu last year. Uh, But I think I would like to see certain uh, types of collections, which do have a theme that I I think are um, under represented uh i have a lot of trouble finding desert landscapes for mm-hmm. some reason i end up having to go to halloween collections if it's a, it's one of those burnt orange kind of the utah colors so i'd love to see more desert landscapes i'd like to see more i i more markets i go to food markets i go to food tours and well, I can always find strawberries or or ice cream. I'd love to be able to find uh, I don't know um, pasta or uh, uh, green peppers or the, those kind of markets represented. Um, and the other thing I have trouble with is museums, um, art museums, and other museums. Um, there's not a lot of good paper, in my opinion. Uh, that focus on that. Um, the only ones I found, Minte does a lot of picture frames on some of their, uh, yeah, yeah, the, their collections. So I end up, I take a picture of the outside of the museum, and then I, I cut out those picture frames, and I, I uh, put in little pictures of the art inside. So I'd like to see a few more museum collections too. I think there's also like this need to. Um... I don't know, just reflect the diversity of places across the globe. Because some of that could even be in one collection of double-sided papers could just be a a beautiful selection of patterns that kind of reflect a variety of cultures. And then, you know, even if you're only choosing one special paper from that, it gives you a place to start um, for a particular trip. It just seems like there's, there's opportunity there without being narrowing it down to one specific thing that maybe is not a, a more popular travel location. I agree completely. Um, One of the examples I I might be able to offer is um, I I love uh, Orthodox churches with the big bulbs. If you think of uh, Mm -hmm. St. Basil's in Russia and there's a lot, lots of wonderful uh, collections with, churches but they're sort of american and western churches and wouldn't it be nice to have a collection which would offer a few orthodox churches 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, that'd be really cool. What about kind of motifs or patterns or something that you'd like to see less of when it comes to maybe a collection that is is specifically travel oriented? Other than Disney, I'm, it seems to be everywhere. I get disappointed when I buy a travel collection and the pages are, you know, first airplane ride and you've got 50 different little airplanes or first train ride and here's a hundred different trains. Yeah. Um, but I think that's about all I can think of. I think sometimes they're, and maybe it's just what I'm noticing. They are skewed sometimes more towards outdoorsy things versus kind of city visits. And there's certainly some of both, but I guess I've seen more kind of like, you know, uh, enjoying the wild or whatever. And that's certainly applicable to some places, but not others. No, I agree completely. You're right. So, Naomi, what other advice would you have for those wanting to scrapbook their travels in a new way or maybe even getting started with um, documenting trips they've taken, but for some reason they've even felt intimidated to begin? Well, I I think if you're a scrapbooker, you should start thinking about it before you embark on your trip. And I always say, I'm scrapbooking my memories, not just my photographs. Mm, so sometimes yes, yes. I put my camera down and I just, I feel, I smell, I listen. And if I can, I'll take a picture of something that will evoke a, a smell or, or a feeling. And I'll remember to journal about that, not just about my photographs. I think the craziest one that comes to mind is, lucky I've been to India a few times. And in India, uh, they use cow dung. um, And they they, uh, make them into patties. And the cow dung is used to uh, uh, fuel fires all over the country and at night mm-hmm. the smell of cow dung just permeates the air and I didn't know how to capture that and then I, I saw a picture of like a half dozen cow dung patties on a wall and I took a yeah. picture of it and you know, I, I scrapbooked about the smell of the cow dung um, because that was a big memory of mine of India. Yes yes so many different uh, tips just in that one statement there in terms of photographing the the, the sounds, the smells, the feelings, um, as well as journaling them in the moment too, so that you can incorporate that into your scrapbook later. So thank you so much for spending time with me. I'm feeling inspired. I'm working on a travel album myself. I have a 49 in market collection because that felt like the least thematic yet most appropriate uh, just felt pretty, I guess, um, to go along with my photos. So um, yeah, I think our listeners will be excited as well. Are you encountering any problems in, in documenting your travels or? Um, I would say that in general, I have shied away of doing bigger travel projects. Um, This is one of, I've done typically photo books in the past, which have no embellishment. I don't even try to. I just use, you know, grid layouts with lots of journaling. 
Um, that has worked really well for me. Um, this one, you know, I, it's a trip to Sweden from March 2020. <laughs> so there's the whole aspect of the timing of that. Um, and the collection is blue and brown with a lot of, uh, I don't know, just natural elements as the 49 market collections have. So it just feels like it'll be a, just a nice subtle backdrop to the photos and the stories. So there's not going to be a ton of um, embellishments beyond just nature things that are supporting the the stories. Cause there was a lot of out, you know, more outdoor adventuring than, than indoor. Well, well, good luck in finishing it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, definitely reach out if, if there's any uh, roadblocks for sure. And I'm sure if there's any listeners that have any roadblocks, they can, you know, leave a comment on this episode and uh, I can share it with you if you want to tackle their challenges. So <laughs> I really appreciate your perspective. Is there a place where we can find you online uh, where our listeners can see some of your work? Uh, unfortunately, I don't post any of my scrapbooks online. Um, the only online presence I have is a blog about my travels. And it is okay. uh, www.travelsnearlyeverywhere.com. Nice. Um, we will definitely include that link. Sure. Thank and you. So you said you um, you had to cancel your trip and you've rescheduled to, to go somewhere else fun. What else do you have planned um, the rest of this year? Uh, well, I have South America coming up in January and Mexico in March. And in between that, I, I, my goal is to do about 200 layouts. Wow. Yeah. Good luck with that. That sounds really fun, though. It feels like you're very kind of focused and goal-oriented. So you always know what to focus on and and have deadlines. You want to, I'm sure you want to finish one before you uh, take your next trip. So Oh, no. Doesn't matter to (laughs) me at all. There's no deadlines here once you retire. (laughs) Very true. Very true. Again, this has been so delightful. And to all of our listeners, please remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way. 